Welcome to the latest podcast from the Plastic Surgery Journal Club. Each month we review an appraiser journal article, typically from PRS, and summarize it for you in this podcast. The full journal can be obtained from the PRS website. Welcome back to the July 24, 2019 Plastic and Reconstructive Surgery Journal Club coming to you from Sydney, Australia. My name is Damien Marucci. I'm here with Dr. Gihan Karunaratni. And we are talking about refinements in otoplasty surgery. Experience of 200 consecutive cases using cartilage sparing technique. This is by Drs. Mazid and Bulstrode out of Great Ormond Street Hospital in London. And it was published in the July 2019 PRS. So Gihan, what was this paper about? Um, so in a nutshell, this paper was about the author's techniques towards um, otoplasty for prominent ears. Uh, they described their methods, which is a completely cartilage-sparing technique, um, no, cut, no cartilage cutting involved. Um, they used a, a combined modified mustade and furnace technique, um, and they described the details of their operation um, and the nuances to it in regards to the approach and exposure, um, the creation of the antihelical fold and reduction of lo- lobule protrusion, the reduction of conchal depth and also their wound closure strategies. Yeah, so they start off with a very good overview of different approaches to otoplasty. And essentially you can divide them into cartilage sparing and cartilage cutting techniques. So the cartilage cutting techniques are like the chonchette technique where basically you de-glove posteriorly then anteriorly by cutting through uh, the actual ear cartilage itself and then shaping it uh, by scoring it using the Gibson principle where the cartilage will fold away from where it's scored. Then in terms of cartilage sparing techniques, you can use sutures such as the Mastardi suture, which is used to create the antihelical fold. Uh, some people do a conchal bulb reduction. And then you've got the Finasse suture, which is the conchomastoid suture in order to set back the ear. Um, now, what they describe a particular anatomical feature, which actually I was not aware of before I read this paper. Do you want to talk to that for a minute? Yeah, so they talk about the inferior bifurcation of the antihelix. Um, as a marking for their uh, inferior skin excision posteriorly. Um, And they use that as their, uh, as a certain marking point. Um, Yeah, and so the idea is, is that they call that the quarter helix, and it's like an extension of the helix heading down beyond where the conchal ball sort of uh, separates from it. They talk about a V shape there, and they say that that Helical extension acts like a rudder to control the position of the lobule of the ear. So they find they're able to control the position of the lobule of the ear by manipulating the um, the position of that particular cartilaginous extension, the cauda helix. So in terms of, you'll be able to talk about the markings. So what are the markings they use for their uh, their technique? Just, just, just go through it step by step. What do they do? Yeah, so they mark the inferior bifurcation of the antihelix. Um, and they also marked one centimeter inferior to the upper pole, which was opposite the superior cross. Um, and they reflected those posteriorly and those made the uh, superior and inferior borders of the skin excision. Um, and that was what their excision was for uh, then exposing the cartilage. And they do a double helical excision, uh, sorry, a double elliptical excision uh, where they remove skin uh, with sort of like almost like a dumbbell shape to get access to the ear cartilage. And then do you want to go through, how do they manipulate the ear cartilage? 
Yeah, so the first thing they do is to create the anti-helical fold and reduce lobule protrusion with mustade sutures. Um, they particularly make note um, that they start with the lowermost one to put the earlobe lobule in position and then progressively move superior. And so they're picking up that cordyhelix first, they're using non-absorbable sutures and they make the point that when they use the absorbable sutures for a number of cases that they had a 30% uh, relapse rate. So essentially they use, I think they use a braided ethabon, don't they? They use an ethabon suture. They were using, uh, I think, uh, some, PDS yeah, yeah, uh, or proline, they were using uh, some sort of other, yeah, the, the PDS was the dissolving one. Uh, before that, they're using another non-dissolving monofilament, but they found that the uh, edges were a bit too sharp. Um, they do no, nothing to weaken the cartilage at all. Do you want to describe how they do their conchomastoid sutures? Yeah, so they use conchomastoid sutures to reduce the conchal depth. Um, they do three stitches, um, and they do the upper and lower ones first, followed by the middle one, and their uh, rationale for that was to prevent the telephone deformity. Yeah, so the telephone deformity being where you've got prominence of the very upper and the very lower part of the ear with the, with the ear being nicely set back in the middle. So you want to avoid that, so you do the upper and lower part first and then you do the middle part last. And can you tell me about their skin closure? Because they do something interesting here. Yeah, the, the interesting part of their skin closure is that they um, leave the lower 5 to 8 millimetres open uh, and the rationale for that is that it can allow drainage of any hematoma. Okay, so that describes their technique. Uh, uh, their dressings came down to two to four days. They said the patients were a headman, I think for quite a long period of time at night, don't they? I think uh, three months. Uh, for three months at night. Um, and so what results did they describe? Yeah, so they essentially just went through their complication profile. Um, and what they found was that there was only a few early complications, a couple of patients with hematomas, one of whom had a coagulopathy and the other who developed an infected hematoma and chondritis. Um, but they had no instances of skin necrosis or wound dehiscence. In terms of long-term complications, they had 17 patients who had suture extrusion, um, which required a variety of no anaesthetic, local anaesthetic, or general anaesthetic to get um, removed. They had a relapse or occurrence in eight patients. Um, the interesting part of this was that three of those eight were in a small group of 10 patients where PDS sutures were used, which represents a 30% relapse rate. Um, but then they stopped using PDS sutures, and in the remaining 190 patients, they only have a 2.6% relapse rate um, when using permanent sutures. Okay, so what, what did you think about this paper? Yeah, it was a, it was a really interesting paper. Um, the, I think the real advantage to this is that they employ a completely cartilage-sparing technique. Um, so there is, you take away a lot of the risks of the conventional um, cartilage-cutting techniques. Um, I mean, so you're not doing any permanent damage. Worst comes to worst, they get a bit of relapse. You haven't destroyed anything. You can just go back, put in some more sutures or whatever you need to do, Correct. any sort of revisional thing. Um, uh, in the discussion of this paper, uh, which was um, uh, published in PRS in the same uh, issue by doctors uh, Buchanan and Hollier, uh, they made a point about the objective assessment of the results. Do you want to speak to that for a moment? Yeah, I think um, that's probably one of the areas where the paper falls short a little bit, um, is that there's no objective measurements taken, um, no analysis of before and after pictures um, of the ears to really give an objective view. Uh, it's really solely looking at um, the 
complication profile of these uh, techniques. Yeah, look, but it, it is a very clear description of the technique. The photos are excellent. Uh, the description of the anatomy was something I found very enlightening because uh, a lot of papers on otoplasty techniques just tend to go straight to the technique. Um, and uh, I think this is, uh, this, I'm, I'm going to try and incorporate uh, some of the particular tips and tricks uh, offered in this paper in, in my approach to otoplasty. Gihan, thank you. Thank you for listening. For more of our podcasts, head to soundcloud.com or subscribe to us on iTunes and search Plastic Surgery Journals. Remember to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Thanks also to the PRS Journal team for their ongoing support.